What's going on, guys? Welcome to Overtime, the bonus episodes of Putting In Work, the interview podcast on the 8-Bit Collective. We're powered by Audio-Technica, and appropriately, this episode of Overtime is the Before You Go Live panel, presented by Audio-Technica and 8-Bit, live at PAX Australia just a few weeks ago. It's the full panel. It really was a privilege to host this with such a great lineup. We had Brendan from 8-Bit, The Hungry Gamers, Matt Stallone from Audio-Technica, and Mia a series of blurs, the Twitch streamer. So we had a full spectrum of people there to present a beginner's guide to audio, specifically focusing on what it takes to get a podcast or Twitch stream going and all the technical difficulties that some people can face. So we had, you know, two or 300 people there in the theater, which was pretty amazing to be part of and a good mix of people who are just getting started or people who have been doing a podcast or stream or YouTube channel for a while and wanting to improve their audio setup. So ironically, there were a few audio issues with the recording of this panel. So please bear with us as I've tried to edit it as best as possible, but there are some variations in the sound as you go through. But hey, I think that you'll get a lot out of this and I hope that you enjoy the panel. Thank you everybody for coming to the Before You Go Live panel, proudly presented by Audio Technica. I'm John O'Peck, I host an interview podcast on the 8-Bit Collective called Putting In Work. I'm joined today by a very illustrious lineup we have in front of us. That's debatable. Furthest away, it's uh, Matt Stallone, he's the marketing manager from Audio Technica. Yo. Let's give him a round of applause. Thank you. He's our technical guru, so save all those technical hard questions for him at the end. Uh, we've got the 8-Bit founder and the host of The Hungry Gamers, the number one Australian video games podcast on the iTunes charts. It's Brendan White. Hello, everybody. And Melbourne's own Twitch variety streamer, it is Mia Blurs, also known as a series of Blurs. How are you doing? Thank you. Yeah. So we're here because... We love podcasts, we love videos, we love streams, whatever it is. And I'd like to know, you know, this is an audio-focused thing mostly, but it is being recorded, so if I ask you a question for an indication, it'd be great to get a round of applause. So who is here because they'd love to start a podcast or a stream, and they're here to get the kind of introduction knowledge of that kind of thing? Round of applause. Okay. The hands go up and it's like, I just said that, no, it's fine. Uh, and so if you're already doing a podcast or streaming or YouTubing, who's here to kind of get that next level of understanding of the technical stuff? Let's hear a round of applause for you guys. Okay. I think that was pretty good. level. Yeah, it's a good mix. It's good. We'll try to cater to both of those. And there will be questions at the end. So uh, if you think of anything along the way, just save it till then and hopefully we can get through as many as possible. So audio. Anyone can tell you that it is probably the most important thing in produ producing content because a bad video, you know, if it's glitchy, if it's pixelated, but it has great audio, you're still going to be able to listen to it, enjoy it. Uh, but if it sounds like it's uh, recorded in a submarine or something, you're going to click out of that straight away. So, me, I might ask you as the Twitch representation here, uh, what was it for you when you started streaming that you were focusing on and what kind of research did you get into to uh, prepare yourself? Uh, I started streaming like four years ago and when I started doing it, I streamed from my Xbox Connect. Um, <laughs> so you can only imagine what the quality was like. It was really, really bad. Uh, and then I think about six months later, I saved up and got a PC. Um, the research I had to do for this was just insane. I actually felt like I had to do a crash course in like audio engineering. I knew nothing about PCs, I knew nothing about audio, and I was like trying to figure out what like compression meant, what noise gates were, mm. like, and everything that I researched was like I was coming across even more words that I didn't know what they were, so I'd have to investigate that even further, and uh, it was just really frustrating because especially back then there weren't any guides about like what to do, so I was just trying to figure everything out. And um, it's not as easy as it is now. Like even with OBS at the moment, they've got um, plugins. So it's a, well, it's still kind of hard if you're someone like me who has no idea. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a lot easier now than it was back then. Yeah, sure. So was it something where it was a lot of trial and error in oh, figuring it out? Yeah, so much trial and error. Like coming from Xbox Connect. Just going to a PC automatically was like a huge difference, but I'm just constantly trying to get better sound. Mm. So um, I would do a lot of like test recording 
um, where I would like listen back and see what sounded better if the noise gets lower, if the noise gets higher, um, how not to like deafen people every time I scream, yeah. you know, because I play lots of horror games. Um, yeah, so just a lot of trial and error and trying to figure stuff out because I had, yeah, no idea. So it was the only way I could figure things out. Sure, and, w and when you're streaming, also you've got like the game audio to mix, and sometimes people in the chat will be telling you that you know your your game's too loud or you're, you're yeah. too loud. Yeah, and like that still happens now because it seems like every game I play has different audio levels. Um, no matter like how well I try and set up beforehand, when I go live. It's different because someone in my chat will be like, oh, I can't actually hear you very well, or the, the gunshots are too loud, or the, the music's too well, or like I'm playing Bloodborne and the, the intro is like, bum, 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 like really full on, so then I turn it down. And then when I go into the game, it's like really quiet. So a lot of stuff is like on the fly as well and just going back off live feedback from my chat. Okay, so I guess... We've kind of been through those experiences of trial and error, so hopefully we can save you, you guys the work of having to figure that out. Are there any horror stories we can start off with <laughs> to share about things that you've either experienced yourself or maybe you've heard going wrong? Uh, uh, I guess peeling back the curtain on a, on a podcast we did way back when we actually had our guest that came in to do sort of a retro-focused episode, his mic was facing away from himself, <laughs> but we triple-checked and asked him a few times. We, um, we use Audio-Technica AT2020s, whether it be the USB or the XLR variant, depending on who we're recording with, and a general rule of thumb, as you see that AT logo looking towards the person using said mic, you, you're good to go, and um, yeah, he told us, yep, it's fine, it's no worries, it's all good, and we did a crack of an episode about two hours worth of recording, and then went to play back, and his audio sounded like he was recording to us from interstate, you know, tinny echoey. We were getting feedback from ourselves coming in and couldn't really work out why and, and sort of went through and tried to edit and clean it up in post and then we sort of went back and looked at the gear and sat down, moved the pop filter and lo and behold, the, the AT logo was facing the entire opposite direction. So that was uh, you know, probably six hours of my life I won't oh ever get God. back. Yes, editing can only do so much. That exact yeah. same thing has happened to me, <laughs> except I was live and I don't know, like I'd somehow bumped the mic or done something and I didn't even think to check it. So I was live in my whole chat for like half an hour. I was trying to like help me figure out why it sounds bad and I was about to restart. I think I did even restart my computer and my stream because that's my solution for everything. And my, <laughs> did you turn it off, turn it on again? My embarrassment when I realised the mic was facing the wrong way, I was like... Let's never speak at this moment ever again. But then here I am bringing it up. So you made it through. <laughs> yeah. I was I was recording once, and I do my interview podcast remotely a lot of the time. So I'll be recording my audio here, and they'll be recording wherever they are in the world. And I was using a portable mic at the time. I hadn't yet invested in an AT twenty twenty, and something to do with my phone or some frequency was it interfered with the recording. So there's a whole lot of clicky like sounds through it, all the way through my audio. His was fine. So instead of putting it up there, I actually did a little sneaky and uh, re-recorded my side of it as if I was like I was listening to his audio and responding to him as if it was live, like basically acting. Were you able to my... fake the same enthusiasm? Sort of. Yeah, it was. I, it was an Oscar-winning performance. No one <laughs> noticed. No one questioned me on it, and it, uh, I got away with it. But that is not something you want to do. So we're here to help you avoid any of that kind of stuff. Any other horror stories? or just general things that often seem to go wrong? Another one is sort of um, headphones, like some people often have sort of an, uh, one, of their, one of their cans sort of slightly off ear, so maybe they can hear general noise in the room, so you're gonna get bleed through and, and sort of feedback from the other conversations that are going on, looping back through the mic so you can get echo and, and sort of repetition of um, other voices. Uh, that, that's one that I've encountered a few times. Um, we could be here all day talking about horror stories if you want. Yeah, but definitely. It depends on what everyone's doing. I think I've, I've recorded with people who weren't wearing headphones. So when they were, you know, they hit record on their mic and their mic would pick up what they were hearing from me as well. So my voice was getting recorded and theirs. Mm. You mix the two tracks together and it doesn't, doesn't really work. So, yeah, there's a lot that can go wrong. But uh, hopefully you can minimise that before the editing process and cut out the amount of work that you've got to do. So... Uh, we might move on to audio equipment itself, and Matt, you are the expert in this. Can you kind of take us through uh, some of the different headphones and that kind of thing? Because, it, like, we, like I mentioned before, people will put up with a video that's not exactly 1080p or HD, whatever it is, but if the audio is not sounding great, it's it's going to be switched off pretty quickly. Yep, exactly. So. Yeah, I think there's like, I mean, 
everyone starts out at a certain point and it's really important to not just get something that's ridiculous because you think it's the best thing on the market, but to get the right thing for your setup at home. And you can make something that isn't the most expensive microphone in the world sound really good just by positioning it correctly and then talking into it at a proper volume and working with your setup at home. So you don't really need to invest a stupid amount of money to get an amazing sort of sound. Um, and also you've got to sort of start somewhere. And I think it's really important not to go off the bat and just buy the most expensive mic with the most expensive mixer or interface and then just think it's going to work straight away because chances are it's going to be a lot more effort to set up that really expensive mic than something that's at a good entry-level price point that you can just plug into your computer and you can go. Um, and so there's, there's different types and that's the, the hard thing I think as Mia was saying, there's so many options um, but there is really easy options out there as well which is important so you don't have to be, you know, don't have to feel too daunted and now that microphones and, and recording equipment so acceptable um, it's so easy so much easier to buy one um, before you'd have to go to a music shop or a, an MI store and then try and talk to them and you know you're on a different level but now they're, they're so accessible that you could go to you know anywhere and pick up a mic it's just that's how common this sort of thing is which is really important um, anyone can kind of do it so I guess there's two different types um, you know or well, there's two different starting points I think you can either go with your headset which a lot of people who sort of stream for the first time just put on their gaming headset plug it in and can start having fun which is really important is to start having fun with it but to kick it up a level um, there's a whole variety of products that you can sort of just purchase off the shelf and plug in and they'll start working really well so m most common one is like a USB condenser mic which is what we sort of tend to really push and the reason why it's so popular is because it sounds really good and it's really easy to plug in and it just goes. And it's not just about buying an AT mic, even though I'm the AT guy. Um, it's just about buying the right product for the application, not just going all out. So just anything in that sort of... good thing about a good condenser mic is that they have such a great frequency response that they'll normally pick up a bit more than like a dynamic handheld would. So they've got a nice, I guess, yeah, wider frequency response, which means your voice is going to sound always a bit more warmer, a bit more like a studio sort of sound. Um, and yeah, you can spend thousands of dollars on one, but you can spend 150 bucks on one with a USB and it'll work really well. Um, that way you don't have to worry about it too much. The, um, I think the main thing that with these kind of microphones that can make them sound a lot more, like they're worth a lot more than what they are, is the positioning of them. It's really important. Um, I think microphone positioning is one of the most important things anyone can do when they're sort of starting off their stream because you don't want it to be in your way where you know it's covering the stream and you can't see the computer, but you also don't want it to pick up your your keyboard or you don't want to bump the desk and it sort of rattles as well. So the one thing I always, you know, sort of say when you're sort of starting out, especially getting a condenser mic, is positioning it is like so important and it really just like cuts you above everyone else because no one wants to hear your keyboard. Um, everyone wants to be able to see your face and hear you clearly and, um, you know, having something, you know, that's sort of, you know, yeah, a little bit in front of you, but out of range is, is a really important thing, I think. Um, and that sort of starts, so we're talking about USB microphones. There's the two main ones that everyone sort of goes for. You've got a USB or an XLR. The USB, you sort of plug it into your computer and you're good to go, but you're dealing with the, the interface that's built into that microphone, um, and they can be very cheap and not great, or they can be pretty good and, and work quite well and, and do a good enough job for what you're doing. Um, Audio Technica sponsor a whole lot of streamers around the world, but most of the time they just sort of go for their standard USB condenser mic, which is nothing, you know, $150, 200 bucks. Um, and these guys have thousands of viewers, but they stick to that mic because it just works really well. Because once you sort of get that product and you position it in the right spot, you don't touch it, um, and they work really well. And once you're comfortable in a setup, I think, once you sort of know it and it's all good, um, you get more confident as well. Once you know that you sound good and you can see that the interaction's good because of how good you're sounding, um, it's quite a good feedback, a good feeling, I think. You know? Yeah, you certainly have to find a position that's comfortable for you if you're going to be sitting there for a really long period of time. Yep. And I'm sure Mia is, is streaming, probably doing, what, two or three hours often at a time? Oh, way more. Way more, <laughs> okay. Yeah. But uh, is, is placement with a mic something that you've experimented with or oh, is there yeah. a kind of a conventional wisdom of how it should be set up? So much. I feel like I've kind of done everything um, to finally find my setup now. But I used to have a desk on my mic. Uh, sorry, on my <laughs> I used to have a mic on my desk, and you could always hear me like banging on the table, and my keyboard was really loud. Um, and eventually, I just got like a you know a pretty cheap stand, and that helped a lot with all that like banging and that noise. But even now, like I still have my mic in a spot where the left hand side of my keyboard like I can't <laughs> see it. 
um, which is fine most of the time, like 99% of the time because I just know where everything is. But occasionally I'm just like hitting the wrong button. People are like, what are you doing? And like, I can't actually see my keyboard. The mic's in the way. But that's how I get the best sound. And that's kind of like the compromise I've decided to make to get that. Because if I move it further, further away, then I have to, like the sound's not as good and I have to yell too much. And after like, you know, streaming for six hours, yelling constantly, you know, it's, it's not very fun. Sure. So I'm, I'm guessing that there's a lot of going back and watching the streams afterwards and seeing yeah. how it sounds and, oh, you, you didn't realise it was like that. Yeah, but, yeah. I, used to, um, I used to hate the sound of my own voice <laughs> so much to the point that I, like, avoided watching any of my VODs for, I don't know, almost like a year. Um, and then I realised that I wasn't actually ever going to improve my quality if I didn't watch back and see well, and listen um, and now I'm just kind of like over it. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, that's my voice, whatever. Yeah, you get used but, to it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, but, yeah. Sure. And in terms of uh, when you're streaming, is it something where you were able to, like, just on the fly adjust it with the audience or is it something that you stick with it while you're streaming and, and experiment outside of, of those times? I definitely experiment outside of those times. Whenever I'm streaming, it's more just like emergency mm. stuff that's going on. Sure. Um, like I need to adjust game volume. Uh, it's pretty much the main thing really. I just need to adjust game volume while I'm streaming. I'm always trying to get better sound because to me like sound is the most important. Like I lurk in so many streams and I'm very rarely like interacting or watching. I'm all like have them on a second monitor or I have them on the TV while I'm doing stuff around the house. So I'm I'm listening more than I'm watching and I always try and find someone that has a really nice voice and a really uh, a good sound basically. Um, so that's really, really important for me. Um, so I'm like always striving to get that level as well. Whenever I go on some stream, I'm like, I want that. Yeah. I need to get that. So then I might just spend like half an hour once in a while just, you know, mucking around. Sure. And Matt, you're talking about placement before. And I wonder like, is there an ideal distance between yourself and the mic? Does that depend on the mic? Because I know I've spoken to some people that are very relaxed. They'll sit back, have, have the mic quite far away and mm -hmm. turn the gain up so it picks up their volume better. Yep. But there's others that put themselves right up on the mic and turn the game down. And what, what's the ideal distance? I guess it, it's so dependent on the microphone that you've got. So I think <clears> I've just got like conveniently two different types of mics up there. There's one on the left, which is like a, a large diaphragm dynamic. And the one on the right is the one we're talking about mainly, which is the 2020, which is a large diaphragm cardioid condenser. So the so dynamic... That, that's the audience's left and that's our right. Yeah. Ugh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, so yeah, the, the dynamic mic... Uh, their design is like, they're normally like your handheld microphones, which means you have to be right up in there. Um, they've got a smaller, tighter pickup pattern. So it means that if I'm over here, it's not going to pick it up. But I've got to be real close to it in order to get it. So it's, it's for those kind of microphones, like a dynamic, and you'll know it when you get it. Um, it's, you've got to have it right in your grill. And some people like that because it actually, it's got a noise get out the back, so it blocks out a lot of sound. It'll, it's really good at eliminating keyboard noise or background noise. So if you're in like a noisy house, or if you've got kids or people screaming in the back or loud neighbors, a dynamic mic will actually block all that out without you having to worry about any settings. So already you sort of looked at the two options. You've got a yeah, cardioid condenser, which has got a bigger pickup pattern, means it's going to pick up. If I can stand here, it'll pick me up. But if I'm this close, I'm way too loud, it's going to trip it off. So you really want to pick the right product for the, depending on your environment. Um, the dynamics will work really well in any room as well. So people like acoustically treat their rooms and spend hours doing so. They might have a yeah condenser mic that they love and they love the sound of it, but they know that it's going to pick up anything that happens in the room. And if there's a lot of reflections, it's going to sound terrible. Um, but if they have a dynamic mic, um, they can have it anywhere they want. They can, you know, we could be in this room and I could have it and you could all be talking and I could just scream into it and it's not going to pick you up. You know, if that's this sort of environment, that's the sort of product you've got to look for. So those are the two real main options there. You've got your dynamics and your cardio condensers and there's your real that's what you're going to find in the shops you know there's there's a whole lot of other options available but you know if you're starting out you want to go pick one up those are the two you're going to see in the shops and those are the two that you've got to know the differences of um and yeah it's so dependent on your environment and yeah positioning is 
it's so important with these microphones because it, it can really make or break the sound. And you can make a $100 microphone sound like it's $500 or you can make your $1,000 microphone sound like it was 20 bucks mm. just by not having <clears> it in the right position, just by not powering it correctly, just not, not setting it up properly. So I think it's good to start off with the making the $100 one sound like it's worth yeah. 500 bucks rather than the other way around. So yeah. Smart. Smart. Uh, yeah, it is crazy how different it can sound because I've, I record intros to my podcast separately from the interviews and sometimes I'll think, oh, I forgot to say that. I'll go in there and add that bit in. But because I'm sitting, maybe sitting slightly differently, maybe the mic's in a slightly different spot and that means that you can tell as the track goes from the original recording to the new one that it's different and just makes so much more work for yourself. Yeah. So, yeah, it and does. I was going to say the other thing with positioning and there's, there's things you can get to help you with these things as well. So there's a, a lovely little thing called a boom arm. Um, what they do is you can mount them to your desk. A lot of them have a lot of spring and shock mount built into them and they'll actually eliminate a lot of the keyboard noise you're having. So if you have like a USB mic that's got a, just a tripod stand like that, if that's on your desk, you're going to hear everything. You're going to hear anything. So every vibration. Every yeah. vibration, every time you touch the keyboard, every click is going to be way louder. They're so bad. Every yeah. time I go back and listen to an old stream that I used to have it on my desk like that, I'm just oh, like horrified. Yeah, it's one of the best investments you can make. It'll be, you know, you can get them for like 20, you can buy a crappy one online and it'll do a much better job than not having one. Yeah. Um, you can Then you can spend the money and get something that's got a proper, you know, a little vibration proof stuff in there to really sort of help you out. But it's one of the best investments anyone can make if you can do it on your desk is just getting it away from your keyboard, getting it in front of your face, and then in a nice position between yourself and the camera so that you know if you do have your webcam on, you can it's out of the way, it's not blocking your view, and you can position it in a way that it'll pick it up. And no matter how much you try to prevent it, you're still gonna be a lot of trial and error, no matter what you get. So never think that it's gonna be like perfect off the bat. Don't, don't ever think that it's, you know, but that's sort of the fun in it as well is not only getting the right product for you, but putting it in the right position too. You, everyone's louder or quieter. People, you know, have different tones in their voice. Every product would suit someone different. So one of the best things about audio is, you know, trying different things out and yeah. getting what works for you. That's it. And just quickly, like that picture up there, the shock mount, is that more or less the same as having a boom arm or is it? Yeah, well, that shock mount has to be attached to a boom arm. So you can see that shock mount, um, the, the way it's mounted is, is to prevent vibrations and any sort of bumps and bruises it might get along the way. Whereas the one on the right um, has a tripod. So that will pick up everything that you do. It is the left, but you know. Is it? It's okay. We'll let it go. Uh, so let's move on to headphones. And obviously, Brendan touched on that before about how it can sometimes bleed and, and that kind of thing. But there are so many options there. I've interviewed people who are happy to use the old Apple earpods and, and whatever that comes with that. Uh, but, you know, whether it's a Sennheiser or a Boss or an Audio Technica, what do people need to look at when they are deciding which headphones is right for them? Because there's so many things between fit and feel and the sound, obviously, and whether they're just using them for podcasting and recording or they want to use it for games and listening to podcasts and music as well. I think it depends on the application. There is sort of a few one-size-fits-all headsets and, and headphones available, but the biggest thing you want to factor in is something that's going to give you a neutral response, so it's going to be sounding the exact same live as it is going to be recorded. The last thing you want to do is have a set of headphones that's going to give you maybe incorrect bass, more tinniness to the sound, things like that. So you want something that's going to replicate exactly what you're hearing through your ears and then whether that be in live or that be in post or, or sort of in playback once you're done doing edits, you want something that's going to give you, yeah, that neutral response. And, and outside of that, comfort is key, I think, depending on what area you're going into with content creation, like Mia, for example, if she's she's streaming six six plus hours a day, and you and you're wearing a set of headphones, whether it be in ear, over ear, things like that, comfort is key. Um, I I personally have found sort of in ear buds and things like that they can sort of get a little bit cumbersome, a little bit painful after sort of long use. So something like a nice wide sort of canned headphone that's going to sit over your over your ears, give you a nice true sound, while also not constraining around your head is definitely good. Um, and then obviously having, having a set of phones that can act as, as sort of a general wear and tear set that you can run around, listen to music. If you're traveling, commuting, things like that, it's all, always a plus as well. So, so getting a, a true set of headphones as opposed to using like a, a gaming headset and things like that, it's, it's going to help you twofold, I mm. think, on, on practicality as well as sort of working into that feature set and, and that area you're trying to record. But yeah, just the main thing, you want something that's going to give you, you know, true bass, true tone, going to be a good feel um, and, and just be responsive, I guess, to, to what you're trying to achieve. Sure. 
And Matt, is there anything technically that people should be aware of or thinking about when they're making that decision too? With their, with their headphone? Yeah. Um, I mean, Brendan sort of hit the nail on the head. Um, you want people to hear exactly what they're going to hear. You know, you don't want to have an idea that, you know, you might sound really bassy in your headphones, so you try and turn that down. But then in reality, it's just your headphones that are giving you that bass. And therefore, when the stream hears you or whatever podcast, when you recorded you have a lack of bass because you thought there was artificial stuff in there. So having a neutral sound is really important. Um, you know, it's a, it's it's the same as when you're tracking music or doing production, you know. Um, you really want to make it so that people are going to hear exactly what you want them to hear, not what you think they might be hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that I would say as well is that with plugging headphones into computers as well, you can get a lot of noise out of it too. So um, one thing we didn't really touch on is sort of interfaces and, and mixes and things like that because it's all good to buy a USB microphone to plug directly in your computer, but then you, if you get something with an XLR, you're going to have to need something in between that and the computer, and that's another sort of technical barrier of entry. Um, but it's really important to know that these things are a great tool that opens up so many more options for you as well. So you shouldn't feel like you're limited to like a, a USB product too. Um, dipping into a little XLR is not too scary. You just need to get a little interface, which, you know, these things can run anywhere between, you know, 20 and 100 bucks. So they're not like it's a it's a massive upgrade in terms of price, but also when you're buying an XLR microphone, they're a lot more affordable than a USB microphone. So whilst, you know, you it sort of works out in the end, but the good thing about a mixer and interface is that it gives you a lot better monitoring options as well. Instead of just out of your PC, your PC can give you a lot of noise depending on what kind of model you've got. If you're plugging it directly into the motherboard, it might, yeah, you might not get exactly what you think, but running these things into an interface to actually monitor your audio correctly um, will really help you understand what sort of product the stream or the recording is going to get. Sure. And Mia, from like a video perspective, when you're doing, you know, a stream, you're focusing on both the video and the audio. So I guess there's twice as much that can go wrong. Is there any common mistakes that you see people make or maybe that you've had in the past that you can speak to? Um, I don't listen, I don't monitor myself speaking when I'm uh, streaming because I get too confused. There's <laughs> just, just too much going on. Um, so, no, not really. Um, my, mine are all very silly things like having the mic facing the wrong way. Like when you're setting up the video side of your stream. Yeah. So audio aside, is there anything I uh, should focus on with that? Well, um, just my webcam, really, because every single time I restart my computer, I have to redo my webcam for stream, which is so incredibly annoying. I have to, like, readjust the white balance, readjust the gain and everything. Um, And that's just a real pain because instead of just hitting, like, start streaming right now, Mm. it's just an extra step that I need to do. And I hate that every stream I have is, like, not consistent either because, to me, like, that's important as well not just like the extra five, ten minutes um, before every stream. So that's really uh, that's really irritating. But luckily I don't have too many like audio issues. If, if I do ever have audio issues, it's just, yeah, silly things that I've done. Sure. So we might move on to recording software. And that's probably the second key component here because, you know, it's great to have a good mic, but you gotta, you know, you got to get the audio recorded somehow. So I personally use Audacity, which is a free software program. And... You know, the professional audio engineers will probably scoff at that, but it really does do the job for a podcast or if you're trying to record a voiceover for a video, like a YouTube video or something, I've used that for a lot of um, reviews on the 8-bit website. And it does have a lot of features for a, a free program. If you are someone that's planning to do, uh, you know, some more high-end stuff, it's probably worth uh, investing in something like uh, Adobe Audition or even Premiere because they have a lot of, things like a lot of effects that can reduce background noise and that kind of thing. So do you guys want to talk about how you run sound through software and and all the kind of things you have to consider with that? Yeah, sure. So we primarily use Audacity just because there is no sort of barrier to entry for for content creation. As Jono said, it's it's a free software. It's it's a stable bit of kit. It gives you a lot of functionality with with your exports for one. So you can do multi-format, whether it be WAV, MP3 and, and the like. Um, it's, it's pretty intuitive as far as sort of getting your gear enrolled into the software, um, editing as far as cuts, um, adding, adding sort of sound overlays and things like that in. So it's, it's a good start point, I think, for content creation, especially with podcasting or maybe you're going to do a bit of audio refinement to sort of uh, YouTube-based content or things like that as well. Uh, things like Audition is great as well, but it does come with a pretty hefty price tag. 
Uh, but on the back of that, you do get a lot of additional plugins, so you can get sort of third-party compression options sort of inputted into your console there to do tweaks and configuration and give you a little bit more bass or a little bit more punch. But um, something else that you can sort of, I recommend if you are recording you know, directly to a computer is something called Voice Meter. It's another free mm. bit of software and it acts as a digital console. Instead of having a physical mixer on a desk running an XLR mic in, it's a stripped down uh, mixer that's going to be running as a little software packet on your on your computer or your laptop. It's going to allow you to adjust, you know, bass and treble and, and sort of your gain levels and things like that. It's multi-channel, so you can bring multiple USB microphones into that as well. So if you are recording several people in a room onto a PC via USB or via um, you know, an XLR mic, it does give you that function, whether it be um, software-driven or, or a physical mixer on site. But, yeah, the, the software, I think the biggest thing, it is overwhelming for someone that, I guess, hasn't really dove into audio engineering or anything like that. Like, I think I've recorded probably over 200 podcasts or so over the last couple of years now, and there's still things you're learning and tips you can pick up on and working out how to do noise cancellation depending on who's in the room everyone as matt attested to everyone sort of dance dances around a microphone differently some people are a lot more animated when they're talking and they're moving around like this and that so depending on on who you're trying to edit it, it can come with its own set of criteria and pain points with that so like with our podcast now we've, we've pivoted from all recording in one room four people around a desk using an, an xlr based setup with mics into a singular console and doing the edit that way. But now we're recording remotely. We've got a few people in Sydney. I'm up in Queensland and then someone else could be anywhere on any given day. So on the back of that, you've got to then start to work out what noise levels for each individual channel are going to work, noise reduction, noise cancellation, things like that as well. And recording remotely, something that we probably should touch on as well is just make sure you sort of disable that Windows can make adjustments to that audio device in question, that microphone, because... Um, what Windows will do is, depending on how you're talking, and maybe like, for example, if we're doing a podcast and me streaming and, and you play one of them horror games and you like make a loud scream, the software then will, okay, compensate, okay, that's now the new level and it's going to then lower you down in general. So when you go back and listen to your, your audio and post, it's going to be very inconsistent where you're going to get highs and lows as opposed to that sort of similar bandwidth across the whole way. So. Sure. Yeah, we'll definitely touch on Can I add recording setups. But yeah, go, go for it. Um, I used to use VoiceMeter for a while and I had a friend help me set it up because it's too technical for me. Anyway, I had the best sound I'd ever had. Um, but when I changed computer, I lost my settings and it was I couldn't figure it out again. Um, but I just use the OBS plugins now. Mm. Um, probably, I don't know how long ago they did the update, but they have plugins now and it's so much easier to use um, and even though I don't know anything about audio I just went online um, and just read a guide and they're like okay this is what works for me so I put that all into I installed the plugins and then just used the guide as my reference and then I trialed out every single thing so I'd record it and I'd be like this is me recording now with the noise gate and I'd go la 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 and just like test things out because what works for one person might not work for another, like I, yeah, I might scream a lot more, or I might have more noise background, um, and those plugins have been absolutely like amazing because it's made my sound so much better. But I haven't needed to buy like fancy equipment, and I haven't needed to know a lot about audio either. Yeah. Um, so that's been that's been really great, and that's helped me a lot. Sure, yeah, and for people who don't know, like a noise gate is a basically an effect you can apply to a audio recording that will block anything that's below a certain volume is that mm -hmm. how you would describe it so that yeah. way it, it, anything like just a general hum whether it's the fan of your you know laptop or like an air conditioner or if you might live near a busy road or something there are different options whether it's a noise removal or background noise removal feature but the noise gate will pretty much cut off anything that goes below that volume yeah but then if you have it on too high or like clip your voice yes. as well so. it will like fade in and out as you speak so you have to just kind of like we were saying before, there's a lot of trial and yeah. error. You can mess around with what works for you, what doesn't, and you might decide that you prefer the noise removal versus the noise gate. And it's it can be risky to uh, like record with a noise gate running as opposed to applying it in post. If you're doing a podcast, you don't yeah. really have that choice as much. Yeah, when you're it's live. like I feel like it's so much easier to get good sound when you're doing a podcast um, as opposed to when everything's mm -hmm. just like live. 
Um, even like the compression, because I don't want to like make anyone go deaf. Mm. But if you put it on too high, then I sound like really tinny and ro robotic. So um, you, you lose a lot of quality. So it's just like constantly adjusting. And I still, I'm sure I can get way better sound. Uh, but you know, I haven't. It's just always adjusting and always trying to improve. And you can kind of get a bit too smart and try and do too much, and it it actually affects the the voice itself. Yeah, as yeah. Well. So you or you get really that. overwhelmed because you start reading about all this like high tech audio engineering stuff, and you're like, why am I doing this? I just want to play video games. <laughs> like it's yeah. yeah. And so something like OBS, can you explain for people who are at that very entry level and might not understand how that works? Um, well, Brendan, you can feel free to jump in because I think you've had some experience with that too. Do you want to go? Oh, you can go. <laughs> uh, OBS is just, is just a software platform that can be used for content creation, whether it be offline content or, or streaming-based content where you can bring in multiple sources, audio, visual, whether it be um, like live game footage so you can bring in a full window of, of the game you're playing, whether it be static images for logos and branding, Things like that. So it's a, it's a software suite that will allow you to bring in sources from, from all kinds of areas to create one unified product. Yeah. So you see it more so pretty heavily on live streams and, and YouTube content where you, you've got that polish right for the jump instead of trying to edit all that kind of thing in post. In sure. a nutshell. Okay. And, and Matt, I think uh, in pre preparing here, you were talking about some of the effects that can improve audio. Is there any other ones that you talk about besides the noise gate and noise removal no those are the two main ones i mean the compression is good as well yeah it just keeps everything at the right level i think it also can help with how quiet you are as well not just as how loud you are so you can sort of keep it in that that range it'll bring you up a bit yeah. and also bring you down so just so it's not always about just being too loud it also help you from being too quiet yeah. as well and there's a lot of great resources and forums online especially like the audacity forums they'll be people troubleshooting different issues and they might say you know you need to normalize your audio if it's loud and then it's quiet near the end like Brendan talked about how a mic can adjust on its own and ways that you can kind of fix things that pop up like that can't you? yeah okay so from there we might move into uh, just a quick little thing about you're a twitch streamer and I think that you've had some experience, Brendan, with Mixer or you at least know people who have. Is, does it really matter choosing the platform that you're going to be doing that on? Because, you know, obviously YouTube gaming is another option out there and they seem to offer the same thing. So do people need to research which one they pick before they do it or is it just, you know? Um, I haven't streamed on the other ones, but I would imagine it's just a matter of personal preference mm -hmm. um i obviously love twitch a lot i've been on twitch for a very long time um i think it's just it, it is very saturated now as well so you'd be weighing that up you know do i want to try something a bit newer um like mixer and see if mm -hmm. i'm more successful in that um but as for like all the technical side of it imagine it would all just be the same um you know obs and setting up all audio and video and just in that uh start streaming button and then yeah everything else just comes down to preference which sure. one do you like better okay and like much the same with podcasting there's so many different hosts that can you know take your rss feed and put it pump it into itunes and provide analytics and that kind of thing. So you really do just have to find one that speaks to you that seems to be, whether it's a friend recommended it or, you know, it looks like something that's easy to use. I think there's not a huge difference between most of them. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, pretty well the UIs are part of the course, I think, on, on just about every podcast hosting platform out there. It just depends on what you're looking to get out of it. Usually the more you pay, the more data you're going to be able to obtain on your podcasting question. You'll be able to get sort of listener data not just sort of total listens but it'll then drill down to country and and maybe even sort of cities within that country so you can actually gauge exactly where your audience is uh yeah. is from and platforms like whether it's ios or you know pcs or mobiles yeah and yeah like, like apps we, well. we use libsyn um which is a little bit more expensive but the amount of data that they that they can give you based off your listener base is second to none there's a few others that will give you give you other you know similar reports but a lot of them don't sort of factor in region based so they can grab various bots that are just sort of occasionally getting into an rss feed and sort of miscuing or, or skewing the um you know those numbers you get like we've used soundcloud we started on there but had some server issues that's a story for another day but um 
yeah, you can't really go wrong. There's so many free platforms to use. Um, there's paid off options as well. But I definitely think investing those few dollars a month on, on a paid service for podcasting is key because you want to know where your listeners are from to then be able to define your content relevant to that region as well. Um, that way you're not going to be as tone deaf, I guess, to those listeners because one thing in the podcasting space is you've got a lot of silent fans. Um, you, you see all these numbers each and every week of people listening from all over the globe, but you hear from a very small fraction of them typically with podcasts. So it's good to be actually work out where they're from to maybe cater content to them to make mm. it more more appealing and maybe open up more gateways to that region as well. Yeah, that's cool. And I think you'd all agree like the technical side of setting up a Twitch channel or a YouTube or a podcast is really very basic. I hope that wouldn't you know dissuade anyone from getting into it but setting up an rss feed it's almost like three clicks of a button um on most of these platforms so don't let that get in the way and i think we're going to have some questions now if people have any just put your hands up and we'll have some of our lovely enforcers bringing around a mic but before uh, we get to them while they line it up um brendan you've mentioned before that you went from recording in a room with uh, the hungry gamers to by distance there's obviously pros and cons of each. One of them is very convenient. You can just be in your lounge room, mm. sitting on the floor or whatever it is. Uh, and the other one, you've got a bit more of the dynamic where you're reading each other's reactions in real time rather than with the slight lag and there's no audio bleed from uh, people's headphones. So, you know, what would you say are the main pros and cons? And I, I guess just how easy it is for people. They don't have to have a studio and they don't have to have friends in the same city even. No, no. Like, obviously... Recording in the same room face-to-face with, with your fellow hosts is definitely easiest because you aren't relying on all these other variable factors, internet connection, the software you're running through and things like that. So if you can sit down with your potential co-hosts and, and lay down some magic, I'd definitely sort of recommend going that route first and foremost. But yeah, if, if you do live out of city, out of state, out of country, wherever it is, there isn't any issues with you being able to deliver a similar quality and caliber of product um, as i mentioned we've got we've got people all over the country and we've sort of done things with people across the globe as well as long as you've got stable internet connection and then we typically to sort of still get that visual visual feel and, and see those visual cues we run something like google hangouts or skype to sort of be able to have a, a multi-person conversation to see what they're up to and what they're doing um, as I mentioned, though, just make sure you disable that they can take control of your microphone because you can get some pretty mixed results and it's a real pain in the behind um, editing that kind of thing. But it's really simple. And, and recording remotely, what we do as well is everybody hits record on their own local console on Audacity or Audition as well. We'll simply upload those individual um, MP3 or, or WAV tracks and then I'll, I'll lace them all together into one track. So there is a little bit more in the editing in post, but... As far as laying it down as a standard product, there's, there's no issues at all. Sure. All right. Does anyone have any questions to start with? We've got a few. Yep. <clears throat> Gentleman in the glasses. Howdy, Jono. <laughs> hey, John. Good, man. Um, I know the scope of the talk was very audio-focused, but because of where we all are at the moment, I know that probably some people have come to the talk to probably get into live-streaming video games. Are you able to uh, maybe you guys all collectively talk about options for video capture as well on uh, to get the, the game footage? Because it was uh, not like, touched on very much in the Like the talk. OBS? Uh, no, probably more around like the, Elgato uh, and uh, things uh, like options that. available for like capture cards or yeah. things like oh, okay. that. Because I know it's probably helpful for a lot of people in the room. Um, I use an Elgato, which is broken at the moment. Um, but uh, once it's all set up, uh, I use the HD. I used to have the other one that like you just plug in, and that was that was fine. Um, I would try and spend as little money as possible, so I'd always get like entry points to everything. Um, but I had the one that I used to plug in, and I found that kind of a bit annoying because then I'd have audio delay, and it was just another thing to worry about. Um, but now I use the the Elgato HD 60 Pro, I think it's called, uh, and I plug that in. That's got no audio delay, so that's like brilliant for me because that's one less thing again I have to worry about. Because like when I'm live streaming, I'm like, oh, you're out by like three seconds. I mean, sorry, like point oh three seconds, and I'm like have to like adjust it on the fly. I'm like, wait, wait, am I like in front? Am I behind? And um. Yeah, that can that can be really confusing. But the Elgato, um, the HD60 Pro is what I use, and I do recommend that. That's 
that's been great. Brendan? Yeah, so, so we, we, we sort of, when we're creating content, we use the Elgato HC60S. And, and for those that aren't aware of what it is, it's sort of just a, a device that sits between your, your console or your PC um, and it's grabbing that video game capture and then inputting that into, into your PC. So it's going HDMI into, into the Elgato and then it's going HDMI out to the, to the viewing monitor and then you've got a, a USB lead straight into the, the console as well. So that USB is taking all that data that's getting recorded there and then dumped into OBS or, or whatever recording Yours platform. Is that extra box, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, that's what I used to use. My one now is like actually plugged into my computer so my like PlayStation or Xbox that goes into my computer and I just, I don't know, I think that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a handy bit of kit, like anything that's got a HDMI out. So you could, um, you know, capture game footage off, you know, like the SNES minis and things like that, right up to a PS4 Pro or an Xbox One X, a Nintendo Switch, anything that, that's transmitting that video and it's got HDMI capabilities, you can use that device to, to grab that video. You can choose then to scale the resolution you know, it's typically capped at sort of that 1080p, um, you know, full HD resolution, but you can do, you know, 60 frames a second. So you're getting a lot higher than the real time, you know, 25 frames a second that, that games typically transmit at, depending on what your platform is. And then be mindful of things like if your webcam is capturing 30 frames per second, but your video game captures like 60 frames per second and just make, making sure that um, in OBS or XSplit or whatever you're using, that they match up. Yeah, cool. I just used the share button on the DualShock, so, you know, there's always that option too. I think we've got another question. Thanks for that one. Hello, everyone. Um, we've got two quick questions. Hopefully that's all right. Sure. Please sure, don't man. take the mic off me. Um, <laughs> I've got a, a system where we, we run a podcast and I also stream. Uh, I just have a Blue Yeti at the moment, which I think is one of those condenser mics you were talking about. Yep. Um, it picks up everything like when my dog goes out to the backyard and barks at all the kids. So... Um, I'm looking at getting a different microphone, but I guess my question is, would you recommend having a different uh, microphone for your po uh, podcast versus your streaming? No, not at all. You can, you can use the same for both. Like we do our video content using the same mics as we do with our uh, podcast audio related content, but you could sort of offset things like that. Like um, as, as Jono and Matt mentioned, you, you can get away with sort of making almost a pseudo studio studio in in your area as well like you can get um acoustic foam off off ebay for pretty cheap um you've, you've heard stories and seen people egg use egg cartons uh things like that so anything <laughs> yeah. you can do to to sort of offset the outside noise and, and where these sort of um the audio is bouncing around the room the better like um you know try and avoid uh if, if you've got tiled floors something like putting a rug down mm -hmm. is going to make a world of difference but um yeah we, we've sort of done a bit of acoustic foam in, in the studio at my place we've sort of done three quarters of the room just to sort of isolate the, the, the sound bounce and it's it's a big, big improvement. And um, as well as I guess if you're looking at something different, any sort of mic of that nature is going to do the same thing, you're going to hear the dog. So I think a dynamic mic, something like to your right, all right, um, is, is something to <laughs> look at. It. Yeah, got that one? Third time one. Um, is something that you should probably look at as well because no matter what, it's going to be hard to stop that. Um, the thing is, you know, cardio connectors have a bit of a warmer sound um, dynamics can be a bit radio-y, you know what I mean? They, they sort of sound like that's what your, your radio broadcasters use and you kind of get that sort of feel for it. A large diaphragm dynamic sort of bridges that gap, gives you a nice warm feeling sound, um, but it will block out a lot of that extra noise. So something like that will, will do a great job and really eliminate those issues you're having. I understand your frustration with the Blue Yeti because I used to have that and I used to stream from a really big room and uh, you could, like, people would be like, is your dog drinking water right now? And like, what? And then, like, on the other side of the room, my dog was, yeah, it was crazy. You just have to ask your dog really nicely to keep it down. Yeah. Was there another question? Yeah, do you guys have a pre-stream, pre-podcast routine, like warming up, testing? What kind of steps do you go through? I usually just hit record and then <laughs> let it like, talk for a few seconds, see the waveform and, you know, after a while you, you tend to recognize what's a good waveform and then you just hit stop and listen back and it doesn't sound weird, it sounds fine. That, that's generally mine, but what about you guys? I used to, um, back when I first started, because I used to get so nervous and so freaked out, I would always listen to um, Queen, Don't Stop Me Now. And I would just like pump, my, pump myself up a bit before I started streaming. 
And that was my little routine. It's not very technical, but that's what I get to do. <laughs> it's um, behavioural, yeah. And now, now it's just I have to I have to adjust my webcam lighting every single time, um, and that's kind of it. Yeah, just hit start streaming, and you know, once in every like I don't know a hundred people are like ah you're muted, we can't hear you. Um, but I'm like I am just kind of lazy sometimes and just want to start streaming. So. Sadly, no queen for for me, but um, yeah, I've got a got a pretty sort of repetitive base routine where we'll fire up the software, um, obviously plug mic in, make sure the input's going the right way through Audacity, the output's looping back through the the headphone jack on the Audacity uh, on the um, AT mic as well, um, and then from there fire up Google Hangouts or Skype, uh, get the other co-host in make sure their audio is going okay, make sure that um, box is unchecked as far as the PC taking control of the microphone and then sort of doing a, a little bit of banter back and forth, warm up those uh, vocal cords because we usually record pretty early on a Sunday morning so yeah. you're tired, sick, hungover, whatever else in between. So to try and get that energy going, a little bit of banter, um, make sure the other hosts have sort of got their, their setup going, their software running, we'll do sort of a three, two, one, and then on click, like when we say the word click, we start recording and then a few seconds after that, we just roll in. Yeah. I should actually add, sorry. Sorry. Um, every time before I start streaming, I do play like a song first to make sure that the sound is being picked up in um, OBS and I also check my voice too. But that like takes five seconds. So. Yeah, I think the most important thing is to make sure your webcam isn't the microphone that's getting detected because yeah. that's like the worst. I have thing mine that's like all disabled, so it never yeah. can get picked up. <laughs> Smart again. Yeah. Uh, I think we've got a question down here and then one at the back after. Hi there, guys. Uh, thanks for the panel today. It's been quite interesting. Um, just wanted to ask what the thoughts are on dual PC streaming. So I've heard some mixed reviews on using a dedicated streaming PC. Just want to see if there's any experiences from the panel and what you guys recommend as far as that goes. Um, I only use one PC. I know that I should have two, but I just think that um, I always encounter so many technical difficulties and I find it really really frustrating trying to figure it all out um, and my computer is powerful enough to be able to handle it for now so I'm sticking with it but everyone I know who has dual it says it's like just double the amount of problems mm. and I just don't want to deal with it because I remember every time I have a problem if turning it off and back on again doesn't fix it I will literally have to spend like hours like going into reddit like wormholes of you know just where the does it end yeah <laughs> um it's just too hard for me to, to figure out so while my computer is okay and i have encountered like um just recently i tried to play tomb raider i was like i'm gonna put everything on like ultra and stream it in like you know, super hd and yeah my computer didn't like that so I, moments like that i get a bit tempted but for me it's not worth it and i guess it comes down to how technical you are and how good at PCs you are because if you are really great at computers and I would I would do it yeah great thanks for that question afternoon uh, my question is just a back on mics is are there any headsets you uh, think would be okay to uh, record on or would you just say go for a standing mic uh, a gaming headset or like a yes yeah I mean look it's hard. Um, they're also different. I could, you know, talk about all different brands and stuff like that. You're just going to get a very certain sound. And I think if you're broadcasting or recording, you want to sort of stick, you know, stand out from the crowd and have that sort of sort of studio sound. Um, yeah, it's sort of you, you can go into brands and we can talk about it afterwards if you want. Go through. There's heaps of different models. Um, oh, that's all right. I'll yeah, just. Will there only be like three brands you could think of? Or? Oh, look, honestly, like our AT ones are pretty great. The Sennheisers are pretty good too. Um, sort of those brands that sort of bridge that gap of pro audio and sort of gaming headsets. They all make proper microphones as well. They're, they're recording microphone companies. So there are there definitely are options. It also really depends on the interface they're plugging into because I touched on it before. If you're plugging a microphone stereo jack directly into like a motherboard or your computer, you can get a lot of noise and that can sort of come through as well um, a lot of the new motherboards are really good though so they do eliminate that but there's something to look at as well um, USB ones you're kind of going to get whatever the codec's punching out for you so it, a lot of the, the really good high-end headsets are just stereo headphones because the best headset is, is a really good pair of headphones in my opinion so yeah the Sennheisers and RAT ones I think have a, a, a microphone that's a bit above the competition thank you 
with about six minutes left. So anyone that we don't get to, we will be here to talk to you afterwards if you'd like to come up and have a chat. Yeah, good day. Um, you mentioned the egg cartons before. Can you think of any other kind of like hacky, cheap ass uh, <laughs> ways to improve your audio environment, I've or even it. just things like moving furniture around? I um yeah. I got a secondhand. Sorry, I don't even know where you are. It's over there. Um, hi, I got a uh, old rug, like a secondhand rug and put it down next to my PC, and I went to Clark Rubber and got some panels from there, and I also uh, asked my audio like band friends very, very nicely for any, like, anything that's like fabric, basically, is going to make your sound better, so if, you, if you're not spending your money on like fancy equipment, just m move a couch over, like yeah. a fabric couch over closer, or, or put your computer somewhere next to, you know, lots of furniture because like the more empty the room is as you said before like tiles is going to make it sound a lot worse so there's there's little things like that you can do like macgyver and yeah. try and get creative yeah, yeah depending depending on i guess the budget you can get a a pretty good chunk of acoustic foam off ebay for 60 to 100 bucks and that could cover a wall and even just doing that one wall you're going to notice a lot of difference i've even seen people sort of make pseudo little mini box houses around around the microphone yes. um so you got like using five or four pieces of foam and that could cost you maybe 10 bucks um so that's yeah. that's another little hack that'll boost the audio quality straight away yeah furniture is a really good one like bringing the bookshelf in and things like that anything with lots of like grooves that can absorb sound is really good yeah bookshelves and couches and curtains just things you might have you can just shuffle it around and make it work I yeah. do so many things. Like I don't even know if it makes a difference, but I'm like, I gotta put like the little snake underneath the door here, and I've got like posters <laughs> and like stuff hanging there, and and I just, yeah, I don't know if it makes a difference. I'm pretty sure it does. I tell myself it feels it does. like it does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely invest in a pop filter. I'll say at this point as well. That's 100%. gonna make a big oh, yeah. difference. They're so cheap. But if you want to save the 15 bucks, you can get a coat hanger mm, and a stocking, yeah. and uh, mm. MacGyver that into a, a pop filter. So there's the hack. Okay, got a question. Um, I'm running a fairly entry level XLR um, setup, and I've had some problems with like the S sibilance when mm -hmm. you say things. Yep. And so um, I can crunch it down with EQ and DSs and things like that mm -hmm. um, in the post because I'm doing YouTube videos, so yep. it's uploaded afterwards. But I was curious if you guys have like maybe like a, a way that you would approach it with hardware, or if you have like a way that you would uh, to do live have a like a series of plugins set up before it goes out yeah i mean like, Did that makes sense yeah yeah um look it, it's it's hard you, you didn't really come through on that for example um i think it's a lot of it's to do with positioning as well um pop filters are mainly there for the but um not for the so it, it's different you know that won't really do it for you i think positioning maybe will will sort of help you out a bit as well um and making sure that it's you know it isn't you i guess you know it, it might be and it's totally there's plenty of workarounds for it um, yeah, I think positioning, if you're too close to it, it might sort of cap it. Um, you can talk past the mic sometimes, yeah. like have the mic kind of to your side. It doesn't have so to it, be in your face. Like it could yeah. be over here, for example. And so you're not actually talking directly at the microphone, but having it over here means it's going to capture um, what you're saying without actually being right in the, the firing line. Right. And so did you have, did, like just in terms of like if you're having not necessarily the sibilance problem, but mm. um, other issues, like maybe it's too bassy or something like that, did you yeah. have any... Do you guys have any like process that you go through to maybe do small um, like EQ or DSing before you get your signal that you stream or that you record like in that live like situation, not the post-processing situation or do you normally just try and fix it in, in mic? Not really, like like sort of with voice meter, I'll just really check out the bass, look at my, my dB levels when I'm sort of doing my my highs and my lows, like I fake a couple of laughs to see sort of the main peak points and things yeah. like that. But mo most of the, the, the sort of editing is done in post and it's really minimalistic. Like we'll, I'll, I'll run through Audacity, I'll do like a noise reduction just to sort of drown out any noise on, on the three or four um, feeds I'm bringing in from the other hosts. Um, I might normalize a bit here or there, but outside of that, it's, it's pretty done and dusted. Like just the way we've got it set, like I'll typically... With the USB Plus, I sort of do the old uh, hang loose, bro, and sort of I sit about this far from the mic doing pods, and I'm pretty pretty fixed um, during the recording process. And um, in audio technique, in Audacity, sorry, I'll set my recording mic volume at about 82. Uh, so I, I never record anything at 100 because it just mm -hmm. comes out yeah. too hot. And I think that's one of the biggest things with audio production is never have it 
hundred percent on on your on your sort of volume levels because it just gets out of control, um, especially in the edit. So. We, uh, that's all we have time for as far as questions go. Uh, feel free to approach us. We'll be here for a bit afterwards. Yep. We love talking about this kind of thing. But I will say, find a community in podcasting or in streaming and find one that is really kind of encouraging and helpful because I've learned so much from talking to my friends who podcast and I've been able to help so many people. And I find that, you know, as much as we're sitting here telling you this, it could be coming from someone else that's, you know, that could be sitting next to you. That could be someone that, you know, you, you follow on Twitter that, you know, has been through these things as well. So always look to someone that's experienced it before so they can, you know, make the mistakes that you don't have to. So thank you everyone for coming out and yeah, uh, thanks have for an awesome time pack. Thank you. thank you for listening and thanks to Audio Technica. You can follow me on Twitter at Jono himself. Brendan is at Brendan8bit. Mia is Series of Blurs X. And please check out the past couple of putting in work episodes live from PAX. We had Yug, content director for Global Hacks, and Sissy Jones, voice actor. Some great interviews there. Coming up this week, the artist Boss Logic exclusive interview. First interview of the year, first podcast ever. And until next week, keep putting in work.